This episode was first posted March 7th, 2011. Uh, This is another one of my faves. And you can check out a video clip with description at our YouTube channel. Find a link at moviesfortheblind.com and subscribe when you get there. This is Movies for the Blind, episode 163, Evil Knievel, part one of three. Something big's gonna happen tonight. Welcome to Movies for the Blind, where you can enjoy films without looking at a screen. I'm Valerie Hunter. Now, when I was a little girl in the 1970s, I had a toy that was a little doll on a motorcycle, which I'd connect to an orange wind-up box. Now, I'd wind it up, and the bike would take off along a track and up a ramp to jump over something, or just across the room to smack into a wall. Now, that toy was part of an unprecedented marketing juggernaut by a real-life guy who was one of the biggest celebrities in the world at that time, whose motorcycle jumps attracted thousands of people to watch live and millions to watch on TV. Of course, someone that famous has to have at least one movie about him, and this one starred a guy who could just as easily have a movie about him done someday— Because, though he's an actor, he was one of the first to be famous, kind of just for being famous. From 1971, this is Evil Knievel. Slats of light beige concrete are angled against each other. Tethered to one piece is cut canvas held in a cone-like shape. It's all part of a large complex. Ontario Motor Speedway, California. February 28, 1971. The sun rises behind hundreds of lines of empty bleachers, which sit below a long two-story building of private boxes and suites. Numbered signs on poles mark the sections of bleachers, held up by the concrete slats. The bleachers surround an oval asphalt racetrack, with some bleachers in the infield as well. Also in the infield are garages and walls with ads, a patch of ground with a big blue O on it, and a figure walking along a bare wall. It's a man walking beside a motorcycle he pushes along onto the track. Wearing a dark cowboy hat, he walks the motorcycle to a line painted across the track, where he stops and sets a block under it to keep it upright. He walks away to the infield again. The bike is white, with Harley-Davidson painted on the side of the gas tank, and the seat red and blue. Around the curb of the track ride ten cyclists in the chevron formation, followed by a big black car. The track reflects them in the rising sun in their black leathers and white helmets. in front of each other in a precise pattern as they pass the white motorcycle on both sides. The car, with small American flags flying from the front corners, comes to a stop. The driver's door opens and a man gets out wearing the full black livery of a chauffeur. Carrying a cane, he walks around the front of the car to a back passenger door, which he opens. Getting out and accepting the cane, a man in a white leather jumpsuit walks toward the bike. He has full light brown hair, and the torso of his jumpsuit has a blue X across it with red trim and white stars inside. Ladies and gentlemen, you have no idea how good it makes me feel to be here today. He looks at the camera. It is truly an honor to risk my life for you. 
for you. An honor. Before I jump my motorcycle over these 19 cars, and I want you to note, there's not a Volkswagen or a Datsun in the road. Before I sail cleanly over that last truck, I want to tell you that last night a kid came up to me. And he said, Mr. Knievel, I'm crazy. That jump you're going to try is impossible. But I already have my tickets because I want to see a splatter. That's right. That's what he said. And I told that boy last night that nothing is impossible. Now, they told Columbus to sail across the ocean was impossible. They told the settlers to live in a wild land was impossible. They told the Wright brothers to fly was impossible, and they probably told Neil Armstrong to walk on the moon was impossible. They tell Evil Knievel to jump a motorcycle across the Grand Canyon is impossible, and they say that every day. Shaking his head, he steps around the bike. A Roman general in the time of Caesar had the motto, if it is possible, it is done. If it is impossible, it will be done. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what I live by. The only thing that can get in my way is fear, and fear is not a word in my vocabulary. I have not and never will know what that word means. Now, there's no trick to jumping a motorcycle over 19 cars and a couple of trucks. You just uh, hit the ramp at 80 or better, you sail up in the air, you take those bars in your hands, and you will that bike across, and you land smooth and pretty because that's what you said you'd do. And a man, well, a man does not go back on his word because it is part of the tradition and heritage of this country that the words fear and impossible do not exist. He holds out the cane, and the chauffeur takes it. I wish to once more say that you have no idea how good it makes me feel to be here. It is truly an honor. He mounts the bike, and the chauffeur removes the block and pushes the bike as it starts, while Evil rides off along the track. The chauffeur stands in the middle watching him. Joe Solomon presents George Hamilton is evil. Sue Lyon is Linda. Evil Knievel. Starring Bert Fried is Doc Kincaid. Rod Cameron is Charlie Cresson. Dub Taylor is Turquoy Smith. Not my Ron Masak is Pete. So I do what I please. Hal Baylor is the sheriff. In a Executive producer Joe Solomon. Just do what I Produced by George Hamilton. Production executive Thomas J. Schmidt. Associate producers Charles Stroud and James Hawkins. Music, Pat Williams. I Do What I Please. Lyrics, Bradford Craig. Screenplay by Alan Caillou. John Milius. Story by Alan Caillou. Directed by Marvin Chomsky. A boy plays with a yo-yo on a ridge. I was born and raised in uh, Butte, Montana. I grew up there just like other kids. Uh, there were some pretty mean kids in Butte, Montana. It was a, a mean place to grow up in. Other boys scramble over gray, rocky hills. For one thing, the mountain behind Butte and the ground underneath it were completely honeycombed with the mine shafts. They run past the first boy. You can expect any day for the whole place just to fall into the earth and disappear like the lost world of Atlantis. A car approaches behind him. It was not a safe place to stand. 
Oblivious, the boy walks in front of the car, which stops a few feet away. He looks at the driver, waving for him to get out of the way. He keeps playing with his yo-yo. The car drops through the earth. Winding the string around his yo-yo, the boy steps up to the gaping hole left and looks down. He picks up a stone and drops it in, watching how far it goes. It's no wonder that I became a wild man living in a place like that. The boy walks away. I saw my first Daredevil show when I was 12. I, I don't remember much about it, except that it was, uh, well, there was a guy who got himself blew up with dynamite, and uh, another guy got himself squashed to death uh, against a retaining wall and smashed all over the place. At the time, dozens of spectators rise from their seats, including young evil and an older woman. She runs to a fence with wide eyes. She laughs with the others. Grandma enjoyed this show a great deal, and so did my brother. He said it was interesting, but he could take it or leave it. Young Evil gazes to the fence. Well, I found it to be a very moving experience. Years later, he walks through a bar with a little person. I never had any change, not at all. Any I ever collected, I spent on fancy rings, watches, and motorcycles, and uh, ladies' pleasure. It didn't stay with me long. That's why I had to be enterprising. Boy, growing up in Butte, Montana, I had to be uh, uh, enterprising. Exchanging nods, they step up to a group at the bar. How's you doing, Abel? Oh, hi, Abel. How are you? How are you tonight? Fine. How are you doing? I don't know. I'm sort of edgy. Edgy? That's right. What are you edgy about, Abel? Things. You know, things that get you edgy. The bartender turns. What sort of things? I can't talk about them. No. Hey, you're right here. Give me a drink. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sit down here. Sit down. Evil and his friends sit down. Roger, give me a scotch. One for Pat. All right. Scotch is a gentleman's drink, Pat. What's on your mind, Evil? Something? Shots are poured. Something big's gonna happen tonight. Go on, Evil. That's right. Evil drinks a shot. Something big's gonna happen in town tonight. Hey, yeah. You ready for, for another drink there, Evil? Oh, wouldn't mind. Now, what you gonna do, boy? I ain't gonna do nothing. I don't know where you got that idea. All I said was something big was gonna happen in town tonight. And it ain't gonna be the bank. I don't want to talk about it no more. I shouldn't have mentioned it in the first place. Now, where's this supposed to happen? Evil downs another shot and winces. Boy, that stuff will make your belt spider. Come on, Evil. Where's it gonna be? Come on. What you getting there? It's just gonna be big, that's all. It gets me edgy. Oh, about a quarter to eleven. What time is it supposed to happen? Too early, still too early. He points at the empty shot glasses and nudges past. Well, be Conoco Station. That's what it's gonna be, I know it. More whiskey is poured. You old fool, what's so big about a damn gasoline station? It's more likely than fuck agency. You know. He smirks at Pat. But you get warmer. And drinks. Come on, Evil. Come on, Evil. Come on, Pat. Let's hurry up. What time? Just a little past what I told you before. Evil looks again at Pat, and they nod. It is time. Well. They stand and start to leave, followed by the others. You better bring the Wearing a cowboy hat, Evil does up his red plaid barn coat as he walks out of the bar, trailed by Pat in the stream of people, including one man on crutches. 
evil leads a couple dozen people past a movie house and across the street at night. He pauses to look across another street there. at a storefront. That's where it'll happen. So that ain't so damn big. Oh hell, we ought to go back to the bar. It's the way it'll happen that'll be big. I want you to stay back. Oh, yes, you bet, buddy. You'll he starts to cross the street. That boy's a loon. That's what he is. But Pat and the others follow. Evil stops and looks back at them. Pat gets them to back up. With the dog approaching, Evil continues walking toward the store. Phil Judd's sporting goods has glass display windows and white painted trim on its first level. At its glass front door, Eva looks back, then walks slowly along the storefront as Pat and the other onlookers start walking across the street again. Eva peeks around a corner of the building, then nods and walks around the corner. The onlookers reach the curb and pause. Pat glances up, and an old man points. There he is. He's on a second floor ledge. Sure thing, Breaking a window, he opens it and climbs inside. I wish my old coon hound was here to see this. I've never forgot that dog. Evil emerges from the dark to the other side of the door. Somebody call the cops. This place is being robbed. As he crouches down to the lock, the bartender pushes through the crowd to the door. Sure thing, Evil. Tell them we have them thieves caught, too. I'm going to open this door and set off their alarms so nobody gets ruffled, Okay, yeah? okay. He's going to open the door and set off the alarms so don't anybody get ruffled. He opens the door and steps out, searching the ground. He approaches Pat. Right. What are you looking for, Evil? A heavy stick. What for? To hit the thief with when he runs out. I suggest you all do likewise. Did you get it all, Evil? No, I can't get the safe open. I need a gun or something. Hey, Someone gives him a large stick. This will do just fine. And distributes others among the crowd. A police car speeds around a corner, scattering the crowd, including a horse. When the car stops, a policeman gets out, and Evil and Pat crouch behind the car. Here. The kid ain't moved since we caught him. The cop pulls out a megaphone. You better give up, kid. Hide your gun and follow that slow. Put your hands on top of your head. You don't stand a chance. He's scared. A man will get desperate when he's scared. Is anybody around back? No, but we ain't heard him leave yet. I ain't going around back without a gun. Well, I don't blame you, Knievel. That's probably the way you'll go. Right. If you don't come out, we're coming in after you. And it ain't going to be pretty. This is your last chance, kid. Think of your mother. Somebody's got to go in there. Yeah. You got an extra gun? I'll go in the front. You go around back. You do that? Well, what kind of community would this be if I didn't? The cop hands him a pistol. Evil? The cop holds out his hand, and they shake. Then Evil runs to the store with Pat. As the cop reaches into the car and pulls out a rifle. Crouched beside the doorway, Evil motions for the cop to approach. He hurries around the car to the back of the building and waits beside a closed double door. Now! 
He breaks in as evil enters the dark store through the front. There he is! He's got a gun! Keep down! The dog wanders in. You hit Knievel! No, he missed me! That's the front door! Only the dog runs out, followed by the cop. Following Pat's direction, the cop runs to the car and gets in. He speeds away. The bartender and the rest of the crowd peer through the doorway curiously, and Evil walks out. He counts out a wad of cash, then passes the bills around. At Ontario, he reviews the ramp with Pete. You want to get that thing fixed? It's going to throw me if I hit there. Uh, you're going to have to move that starting mark way back. You've got to be hitting 85, 90 miles an hour when you take off. It runs too short the way it is now. I want to move it back, oh, 50, 60 feet, okay? Look at that thing. I bet you couldn't even walk up that thing without it stoving in. I made better ramps than that all by myself. First professional ramps were better than that, and they were only over two trucks, end to end. He passes Pete a half-eaten sandwich. Years before, a car runs along a dirt road. My first professional jump was at a broken-down rodeo. Evil rides behind. They'd never even heard of daredevils like us, let alone seen them or anything compared with the likes of me. He stops his blue motorcycle near a concession trailer, sets down the kickstand, and shuts off the engine, then dismounts. Better watch that thing, fella. A cowboy walks two horses away as Evil approaches the trailer, where another cowboy stands drinking from a cup. I want a cheeseburger. How do you want it, medium or rare? Medium rare. You take it like it comes out, fella. He leans against the trailer. Don't ever razz the man that's cooking your food, and don't ever send nothing back. You know, I'd spit my eggs once, and then tell me about it when I had them almost set. What'd you do to him for? Don't remember. I never forgot them eggs. You want something to drink? Beer. The cowboy pulls out a flask. You like some whiskey? He unscrews the top and holds it out. Evil accepts it and drinks, <coughs> then hands it back. Looks like you're used to it. He drinks the beer. I've done this before. Spent time as a drunk. Sour mash Kentucky bourbon. Best there is. You get where I am, kid. It's got to be the best. Stepping past Evil, the cowboy sits on the step of the trailer beside a poster. That you? Charlie Cresson, king of the Bronkbusters. Yeah, that's me, when I was 30. Women like that picture. Two cheeseburgers and a Coke. Okay. Evil turns to a pretty young woman, and they share a smile, making Charlie grin. Women like me, too, when I was 30. Chuckling, he takes another drink. Thank you, ma'am. While at a ticket table, Evil approaches. You turquoise Smith? Don't you know it? That's your show? I'm the man you pay, everybody pays. Well, I mean, they own it. Outright. Well, I thought I could draw quite a crowd for you. See, I do stunt jumping on a motorcycle. I build ramps. Boy, boy, you ain't telling me anything. I've had some of the finest stunt jumpers in the world in my shows. I've had them jump over a whole pit full of rattlesnakes for line. One fella did both through a flaming hoop of fire. Well, I do two pickup trucks end to end. Don't exaggerate, boy. I've been in this business a long time. Did you ever see Weird and Strange on Highway 66 in Arizona? No. That was mine. Went on for miles. Did you ever see Bowling Reptile Gardens? Two pickup trucks and then. That's 40 feet, boy. That's right. Don't go bragging to me. Bragging don't look good on a young man. I'll make it. He holds up mended fingers. I've done it before. See, you can, huh? But don't be just as good, wouldn't it? Better. All right. You got a job. 
Fifty dollars if you make it, twenty-five if you don't. If I don't make it, I'm going to need more than twenty-five. Now, wait a minute. If you don't make it, they won't come back next day, and I'll be out of business. If I don't make it, I kind of hope nobody ever comes back. Fifty bucks. Win or lose. Do or die. Then she can't. Fifty bucks. You got any, boy? Bobby can even. I'll build my own ramps. He walks off. Hey, you forgot something. What? Then turns back. You forgot to charge me admission. Don't let nobody else in free. People are going to have to pay to see Bobby Knievel. With a wicked smile, Evil puts a toothpick in his mouth and keeps walking. Smart boy. Hello, 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 hello. Come right over here so he's trying to catch the world's greatest cowboys. Later, cars are lined up on the dirt road to get in. They slowly drive through the entrance between the trailer and the ticket table. In a rodeo ring, a steer turns after throwing off a rider. A rodeo clown distracts it with a faded red cape. The steer paws the ground, and men, women, and children watch from behind the wire fences. While a clown rolls a barrel, Evil rides up outside the ring and stops his bike. He gets off and walks up to one of the heavier fences not far from the starting chute. With another cowboy standing by, he watches the steer and the crowd. Today. A couple hundred, maybe. How many yesterday? Okay, fellow, you got them rolling in. Don't worry about it. He walks off. I ask you how many. He turns back. Quarter, half only. Make you feel good? Yeah, it makes me feel good. Charlie approaches carrying a rope. Hey, kid, you got us a crowd. I'm grateful to you. Ain't no big thing. Well, it's tough enough trying to make a living these days doing what I do. I kind of feel grateful, especially with you doing what you're going to do. Charlie smiles. Yeah. Um, then holds up his flask. Like something to drink? Afterwards. I wouldn't want to go out there stone sober. You don't mind if I do. I'm going to have to watch you. Evil turns to him and smiles back. I'm going to need all my powers of concentration. Walking behind Evil... Charlie hands his rope to an attendant, then takes a swig from the flask, which is barely covered in a paper bag. He puts it down, then adjusts his hat and takes the rope, now tied to another steer in the chute. He climbs over a fence, picks up a cowbell, and stands on the chute with a foot on either side and bending over the animal. He holds the rope adjusting and tightening it with the attendant helping from the ground. Charlie straightens up and pulls on an old weathered glove as Eva watches. He gives a thumbs up and Charlie grins, adjusting his hat and his belt. He settles himself down onto the steer. The attendant helps him cinch the rope tightly around his gloved hand. When he's ready, he nods for the chute to open, and it does. The steer bounds out into the ring, trying to buck Charlie off. Evil watches, and the crowd cheers as Charlie rides the steer. He falls and lands hard, annoying the crowd. Attendants run to Charlie who lies face down, and turn him over. 
Charlie's dead. At Ontario. How do you feel? In a VIP suite. Evil turns from a window to glance at a blonde woman. I mean about the jump. She approaches Evil, who wears an open brown and yellow robe. About as good as anyone can feel about that sort of thing. I mean, you don't look like you feel too good. He turns to her sharply, then walks toward a couch. What am I supposed to do? He wears a medallion and boxer shorts. Have 150,000 people turned away? Have someone tell him, Mr. Knievel isn't quite up to jumping all these cars today. Maybe you can come back tomorrow and see him get smashed all the hell. But people are told someone's going to get smashed all the hell. They want to see it right then. Doesn't matter how you feel. You're just a participant, a splattery. I feel great. All right. He sinks into a chair. I believe it if you do. Feel great. No, I feel great. I have to, whether you feel good or bad. Nothing in hell would get done if you just waited around till you felt just right. Have you got the dressings? She brings gauze to replace something he's been holding on his left leg, which he gives to her. Oh, you better have Dr. Kincaid look at this. He's not going to like it. But he says you can't jump. Shut that door for Christ's sake. He bolts from the chair. It's shut. Are you all right? He stares out the window overlooking the track. Five seconds. That's all it took Charlie Creston to get himself killed. He turns to her. Can you believe that? Five seconds. Back then, the attendants picked Charlie up. Five seconds. That's all there was to it. And it was laughing at him. Jeering, yelling out all kinds of stuff. Is he all right? We look one for Christ's sake, he's dead. Just don't figure. Eat him out of here. They carry Charlie away. Would have happened sooner or later. More likely sooner than later. An older cowboy in turquoise part ways as evil stares into the ring. Glances back toward Charlie. Then again turns to the ring, where Turquoise walks out with a microphone. I know how you all feel about that bad field Charlie Crest just took, but I want you to know that I just talked to the ambulance attendant and he said he's going to be just fine. Just got a little wind knocked at him, that's all you know. Don't you know it? As Evil turns his reversible jacket from gray to orange, a pickup truck towing a ramp is driven into the ring. When this young man came up to me and told me about the stuff he does with his motorcycle, jumping it over two trucks hand to hand. I'll give you what you pay for, that's what I believe in. It meets another truck coming from the opposite end. I don't want no part of it. I don't want to see no young boy down there and get all killed up, no, sir. And then he replied to me, he said, hey, that's a bad can't do when he sets his mind to it. So I now give you the one and only, Father Knievel, king of the bicycle down devil, the weaving of the two wheels, Father Knievel. Evil runs out to the microphone as Turquoise encourages the applause. I just want you to know how proud, how proud and happy. Turquoise helps him raise the microphone stand. It is an honor to uh, to know so many nice folks came all the way out here to well to see me jump just two trucks. I I mean I know what you got to do nowadays and kids and everything at home. It takes a lot of time away and well it means something special for all you people to come out here and I want to thank you for that. And I want to tell you that. Motorcycle riding's getting itself a bad name these days, a real bad name. And, uh, well, you just take a look around at some of those weirdos riding all those fancy motorcycles, and you know the reason for that. 
He checks notes on a slip of paper. I just, uh, just also want to tell you that some of those guys ride around and scaring the uh, heck out of everybody who gets in the way. He grins as Turquoise runs to the crowd, leading them to chant. I'm very proud. And I want to thank you and uh, uh, thank everybody for coming. He goes to his bike beside cowboys who have Charlie covered in a blanket. They lift the body into the back of an ambulance station wagon. It pulls away. Evil watches, strapping on a helmet, then gets on his bike. He bends down and rubs dirt on his motorcycle gloves straightens up and pulls goggles down over his eyes. He holds the handlebars. He rides into the ring, past the ramp and trucks, then rides around the other side and out. He does a wheelie riding back in, then makes an awkward turn rides by again and out. The crowd smiles and applauds. Evil rides up the ramp and pauses at the top, focusing. Slowly, he sinks back down the ramp and out of the ring. Turquoise and the crowd grow quiet to wait. Some distance away, Evil adjusts his goggles staring straight ahead. He rides off. He speeds up the ramp and over the trucks, landing easily on the ground, and heads out of the ring. To the cheering crowd, he rides back in again. Then stops with goggles off. As he gets up, a man takes his bike and Turquoise meets him, guiding him to the crowd where he shakes hands with excited people in the front row. Evil beams as he takes in the adulation. Then he jogs out of the ring with turquoise and gets back on his bike. You made it, boy, you made it. Don't you know it? Did you hear them when they thought I wasn't going to make it? They thought I was going to get myself killed. They thought I did, too. However, they loved it. They loved it. That's 50 on me. You sick me, boy? You're gonna be rich and powerful. I just won my 50. I'm telling you, you're gonna have a hundred bucks in your pocket. They really like you. Especially when they thought I wasn't gonna make it. I could hear them. I'm gonna raise you a little. You just raised me, my Oh, a deal's a deal. Opportunity's going to be seized. Turquoise pays it. You're gonna be sorry, boy. You're the one's gonna be sorry. He rides away. Don't you know it? Evil rides through the grounds past happy spectators to a couple of cowboys walking a horse. Hey, did Charlie have anybody? I think he did have somebody, but I don't know where the hell she is. He gets the money. I wonder if I can ask you to... Ain't none of your business. I'm just trying to be helpful. Go be helpful somewhere else. Evil rides off. So, a beginning of mixed emotions typically for this guy. More adventures are to come, including how we met that blonde woman in part two of three of Evil Knievel.
next time on Movies for the Blind. There may have been some poetic license taken with Knievel's early days, but it is true he had to be enterprising, as he put it. He had jobs as a hunting guide, an insurance salesman, the owner of a hockey team, and boss of a business protection racket. For more information and links about the movies, about description, and how to subscribe, go to the blog, moviesfortheblind.com, where you can also find out about this podcast, Creative Commons License. Also, check out the Movies for the Blind page on Facebook and the brand new Movies for the Blind channel on YouTube. And the movies are from the Internet Archive, so please support universal access to human knowledge by visiting and donating at archive.org. Thank you for downloading and for listening. Be back next week. Take care. Thank you.